Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so I think I'm going to be very simple today. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about something Jesus said in Mark 4 um, with the concept or the theme of thinking small. And, you know, a lot of times it's like we're trying to think bigger and think outside of the box and, and go big or go home. This is Texas after all. But um, thinking small, thinking the long game and thinking small um, is what I want to focus on today. And there's something specific that Jesus said about faith in Mark 4.31. He said it's it's like a mustard seed, which when it's sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out a large branch, large branches, so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And so I thought that was really a really cool beautiful illustration of, of faith as he's gone all on, on this, he, he's literally in a boat right now in the setting of this teaching that he's giving. And he's given what's known as the parable of the sower. So many people are very familiar with that. You can kind of read back in Mark 4 if you'd like and kind of, kind of look and see what that is. But it's like he's, he's talked about this sower that goes out to sow and, and some, some of the seed falls by the wayside and the birds of the air come snatch it up. Some fell on stony ground, didn't have much earth. Um, so it sprung up really good, but it didn't have great soil. So it sprung up quick, but when the sun was up, it got scorched. Um, some seed fell among the thorns. Thorns and weeds actually choked it up when it started to grow. And then the last bit of seed, 25%, if you will, one fourth, fell on good ground which yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And so he's telling the story and he's talking about the kingdom and he's, and he's at the end of the scene, he's with his disciples because he's saying this from a boat, but he's telling them personally, like this is what this actually represents and means, right? Wow. And um, the thing about it is, it's funny because he's, he's, he's giving them even more clues to understand what the parables meant. And so he's describing um, what these different symbols literally mean. The rock, you know, someone who doesn't have much, um, they, they, they are offended immediately. They're, they're, they're made to stumble, easy, stumble easily because they don't have much root. Um, you know, the thoughts and cares of this world being symbolic of the thorns and, and whatnot. But the beauty, the beauty is, is that that, 25%, even though it seems that 75% is lost, 25% is guaranteed to produce 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And this is, this is his analogy of the kingdom and how it works. But towards the end, he, he, he even says that like, it's like a mustard seed that when it's sown, it's actually really small and becomes really large. And so he's giving this picture, if you just look at it simply, that heaven is like a seed that's sown by the sower. It's this word of God that we come into agreement with in constant release in our life and in the world. And that part of the trick 
is to not see how incredibly valuable it is in hand. What you, ha what you have to release is so incredibly valuable. And some people will go, well, can be like super negative Nancy. Well, 75% of it never even works. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but 25% of it is like, it explodes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even the good stuff that explodes, it seems so small and insignificant at first. And so he's almost like telling them, sometimes you have to learn to think small because things are so much more important in the mundanity of this life on the day-to-day -day basis that sometimes we can get trapped into looking out far in the future and having this big grandiose idea of the way ministry looks or what success actually is supposed to be like. And that can be a trap that keeps us from seeing the reality that the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand, as he always said which is actually here, it's amongst us, it's, here. it's in seed form, and we have the, the ability to release it everywhere we go and in every facet of our life, and it will not return void. And so it's this, this encouragement that he's saying, um, but I think it's interesting because there was such a big crowd there where he was, that they had, it's a multitude, but they actually got into a boat, and so he's sitting on a boat at some sort of cove or something, and he's giving this analogy of seeds, which is funny, you know what I mean? It's like this highly spiritual teacher, the most woke mind in ever in, in existence, and he's literally giving them analogies of like crops and seeds and plants to, to make things really simple for people to understand what it looks like to walk this life out. And um, it says there, in verse 33, with many such parables he spoke the word as they were able to hear it. But without a parable he didn't speak to them. And when they were alone he explained all things to his disciples. And so, it's like he was constantly releasing these seeds himself, knowing that some of it was received with gladness, like the ones that were the seeds that fell on the stony ground. Or some, some of the seeds were received and they were really valued at first, but the thoughts and cares of the world, the, the, the thorns and stuff would end up choking them out. But it shows that the disciples, when they were alone, they would actually come and pull more out of them. Like, all right, you told us this. What does this actually mean? What does this look like? And when that would happen, he would actually give them more. It's, it's interesting. It's like when Moses was on the backside of the wilderness walking around with his sheep and the... And it says that there was a bush that was burning but was not being burnt, whatever that looks like. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And it says that Moses, in Exodus 3, it says he turned aside to look and said to himself, okay, I need to check this out. I need to turn aside to look. And when God answered him from the bush, he literally answered him, says, now that he's turned aside to look, I'm going to actually talk to the guy. And when he saw that. And, and so it's written that way that, that shows us that sometimes... God's voice or his word or his description or even what seems to be his vague communication can be around our life. But when we choose to turn aside and to look at it and actually come to him the way the disciples do, then we come into discipleship. That's connection and he breaks down the ins and outs. This is such an important thing, even with our own life following the Lord. When things work or when things we perceive that they don't work, the key so many times is to process through our life, our situations, the things we walk through with the shepherd because he's there in it for us to actually teach us. And that's the way the thing works. 
And that's the way it always worked with the disciples. It's really interesting because it, it gives us th this little clue that when they were by themselves, they, which under, it shows that the disciples weren't any sharper spiritually or intellectually than the people that he was talking to. They just like didn't let go of it. And later on, like, hey, so like, what do you mean the thorns choke the thing? Like, what, what, what is this talking about? It's like, all right, I, I, I'll develop it more with you. That's what, that's what set them apart from the rest is they actually, instead of just hearing his words and going out on our own business, they used his voice and his words and his teachings as a starting point for their relational connection to process through stuff with him. Acknowledging him in all of our ways is what actually leads us to be directed in the path of God, right? Proverbs 3. So it's just like these guys are, are living this. But it says, On that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let's cross over to the other side. So here he is having this teaching. Here he is describing these seeds to the guys. Here he is telling them that like faith is like a mustard seed. It's actually very small. Most people would see it as being insignificant, but man, it is not insignificant. It is not. Don't neglect this reality, how brilliant that it is. Uh, don't despise the day of small things. And what he says is like, hey, let's cross to the other side. And if you can imagine this or picture this, they're sitting out in boats, you know, kind of staying away from the crowd so that they won't crush him. So that he has kind of like a platform. They must have had some special sort of little cove or something area to where he could kind of orate, you know, which is probably really cool to see. But he's like, hey, let's go over to the other side. These are professional fishermen these guys and um, it says when they had left the multitude they took they took him along in the boat that he was as he was and the other little boats that were also with him came as well and so it's like they took him along in the boat as he was this um, this phrase is saying like they didn't pack up for a trip it was just like hey let's let's that was a nice little time with everybody Let's roll out. Let's, let's drive across the lake a little bit. Uh, what do you say, drive? Sail? Let's sail across the lake. Let's drive. Let's pedal. Let's paddle. Let's swim. I don't know. Let's push. Let's drive. Let's sail across the lake. Okay? So let's sail across this lake really fast. And they're like, okay. So they're just used to, they're, they're following his orders, which is, you know, this, this, the process of processing through, communicating with God, but also knowing that nothing happens out of order with him. You know, and he uses every situation and everything as a teaching tool with us. He's like, hey, let's go across this lake and, and let's go as we are. So they weren't packed up. They weren't shipped up for a big trip or anything like that. Um, they started and it's nighttime. It's like, hey, let's let's sail across this. Uh, when I looked at this too, this body of water, this place where they're at, it's actually pretty low. It's like very, very far below sea level, which I didn't know things worked that way. And so the storms that would come on here, come on this lake, the, the way the wind would come over these mountains, they were pretty violent. So it's just like, hey, professional fishermen, let's go out in the middle of the night and, and sail across this lake. And, and then they, for some reason, agreed to him. But it says a great windstorm arose, and the waves were beating into the boat, and the boat was starting to fill up. It says, but he was in the stern sleeping on a pillow. And they woke him up saying, hey, don't you care that we're about to die, that we're perishing? <laughs> like, and it says, he gets up and he rebukes the wind and he tells it, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. 
almost, you know, it became like glassy. And he looked at the guys and he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you don't have faith? And um, have you still no faith is how it really should be translated there. It's like, you still don't catch it. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're doing the faith teaching, guys. And these guys' minds are just blown. And um, it says, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Which I think is great. They feared exceedingly of the storm, and then they were creeped out by Jesus. They were scared of him. Like, <laughs> how did he do that? Like, what is this? Who can this guy be? You know, they're, they're catching the hint, they're catching the clues, this messianic figure, but like, you know, that level of power exerted over something. Imagine that. You know, if you look, this story's written several times, you know, I think it's Matthew 8 and. Uh, it's written in Luke as well. That's, that's a good one, 838. Uh, but it's like, this guy, it's, he's such a bizarre character to them, and they're getting to know him. But he, he basically rebukes, like he, he yells or speaks out against this storm as if it's a being, as if it's something. As if it was something trying to keep them from going where they were going. And I very much think that it was, because they're going into a Gentile region. But um, they feared exceedingly. So then they hit the other side, you know, they come to the other side, and, and it kicks into Mark 5, um, saying this story. And I think that's where you kick into, like, if you're doing, you know, Matthew 8 or Luke 8. It says that the, um, they get to the other side of the, the country of the, the Gadarenes, and when they'd come out of the boat, immediately there met him, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. So now this has become, this has become like a, from a National Geographic, like a nature, nature war, hurricane on the water type of thing, fearful drama to like a straight up horror movie. Now you got a demoniac who was naked, to be honest, as, as some of the other ones will say, this, that couldn't even be bound with chains because he was too strong, he was too powerful. And he would cut himself and he would yell and he laid with the tombs at night and he was just like utterly possessed. It's the, it's the version that's in Matthew uh, 8.28 says that he was so fierce that nobody could pass that way. So he had actually shut down whatever path or, or road that actually went, went along his, you know, maybe when they had the old school maps and they were like, hey, no, that's where the Legion guy lives. You can't go. <laughs> that road shut down. You got a detour. You know what I mean? But he was, such a, he was such a fierce, monstrous person, so demonically empowered um, that people were terrified of him. He couldn't pass his way. And so, you know, if I'm, you, you know, talk about the disciples being afraid. Don't you understand? We're going to die. And you're in, you, he was literally sleeping through the storm, completely at rest. Um, and next thing you know, they're creeped out by him, like they were terrified, like, who is this guy? You know, man, what's his deal? The next thing you know, you've got Legion popping out. And these guys, sounds like they're in for a traumatic uh, trip. It's like, you know, man, this afternoon, we're sitting on the boat talking about faith, and it's a beautiful day. It's, we're chilling out here, just kind of rocking. Hey, crowds can't really get to us. We're sitting on our boats talking. Like, this is the, this is, no, this is the setup. <laughs> next thing you know, it's like horror and terror and trauma all day long. We're all freaked out. And this dude's not even bothered. He's passed out sleeping. 
So anyways, you know, he had been shackled and day and night he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself. I mean, <laughs> it says, but when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran up and worshiped him. And I love that. Um, and he cried out with a loud voice, which you can see uh, the torment of a human being, of a person who saw, who saw the light coming to help him. Uh, but also everything, all of his roommates, so to speak, <laughs> didn't, didn't want the help. Um, but it says he saw Jesus from afar and um, he ran and worshiped him and he cried out with a loud voice, what do I have to you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. And he's like, please don't torture me. Please don't torment me, which is, we obviously know that he's not him. But Jesus yelled and he says, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And, asked, and he asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion for we're very many. And um, he begged him earnestly that he wouldn't send him out of the country. That was his region. That was his territory. But there was a large herd of swine that was feeding there. And all the demons begged him, please send us into, that pit, into the pigs that we could enter them. And Jesus gave them permission. Many of you know the stories. They went into the pigs and it says there was about 2,000 of the pigs. The herd ran violently down into the sea and drowned. And um, so those who fed the swine went back into the city and told, this, told, told it in the country. And they went out to see what had happened. And it says when they, when they came out to see Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed, who had the legion, sitting and clothed in his right mind, they were afraid. <laughs> And uh, those who saw it told them what had happened and how he wasn't possessed anymore and what happened to the pigs. And so they began to beg and plead with Jesus to actually leave their region. Super interesting. Region, 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 territory, territory. Um, supernatural um, clash. Um, and Jesus is right in the forefront of it and bringing his disciples all the way through it. And so... Uh, when, you, when you look at this, this region that they were in, this region of the Gadarenes, it was, it was um, their industry, right, was pigs. Obviously, they were pig farmers. And, and so they made a lot of money off that, the Jews believing that to be unclean because it was a Gentile region anyways. Um, Jesus, to a lot of the business people there, really had seemed to mess up their um, financial deal. You know what I mean? You're like, you just done showed up and messed up. We used to live up in the mountains. We lived um, near Tyson Chicken Plant. Uh, any Tyson Chicken lovers out here? I know, I know y'all be liking them strips, chicken strips. But, so the, the plant where that place started was kind of in the town next to us. I remember sometimes that town would smell funky, dude, in the summertime, certain days. But anyhow, there you go. So anyways, but that was, that was there. But you know what I mean? If you came and you sent a bunch of demons and chickens and then they all... You know, drown themselves, you probably would have been in a world of hurt with the Tyson business office, you know what I mean? So maybe that's my analogy. Maybe it was unnecessary. It probably was. Uh, but that's what happened to this, these pigs. They come out and say, hey, dude, this is, we're the Tyson, it was Tyson chicken farm, Tyson pig farms. We're the Tyson chick, pig farms. You're ruining our, our bacon sales or whatever. They were super upset and begged them to leave. But I love that it's interesting that when the people that came to came out to see Jesus, they saw the one who had demon, had been demon-possessed sitting in his right mind, they were afraid. Like, like, oh, there's the, he was so famous as being this Rob Zombie or like, I don't know, this horror, horror demoniac figure 
that they saw him, oh, that's the guy. But the fact that he was sitting and had clothes on was, was, a fr- was scary to them, which I think that's just <laughs> hilarious. Not used to seeing him clothed and like actually looking normal, like had his hair combed back, you know what I mean? Just like, okay, maybe not. But so they saw that and they were terrified and they started to beg Jesus, like, hey, get out of here. And it's just like, wow, you know what I mean? And um, I'm thinking, go big, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in Texan and, and you've been sitting here, you've, you're used to having crowds press about you all over the place, you know, um, to the point where they're, they're like sitting there giving the faith teaching, sitting in boats. Now we're, this is successful ministry, guys. We're having success. We're drawing a crowd. We got the big thing going, you know. That's really great. Hey, let's go to the other side. Hey, let's do it. Might as well take the show on the road. We're, we're, we're feeling kind of hot right now. Um, on the way there, you have a storm, which is obviously demonic. It's, it's regional. The principality or the regional spirit or whatever that was, that was trying to thwart them coming, Jesus gets up in, in its face and tells it to be quiet thing calms down it was trying to keep them out of that zone then you park at the boat dock and the dang legions coming down off the top of a hill screaming at you and you're like no get back in the boat it's time to go we shouldn't have come here you know what i mean and like that's the first thing it it but it's running just so that it can bow down and yield to light and power um just as it says in Matthew 8, it's like, hey, that thing was there. That territorial spirit was there. No one could pass that way. It was purposely on guard blocking that region, if you could see it. And, and so you have all this stuff that's happening that Jesus has, has knocked the storm or whatever that thing was out of the way. And now the gatekeeper that this principality probably has, this thousands of demons, says 2,000 pigs. So this gatekeeper that has these thousands of demons inside of a person that's, that's blocking another route, um, the Son of God himself, the God-man shows up and actually plucks him right out of the way. It's pretty brilliant. And um, so the place is wide open. And if I'm, if I'm one of the disciples, you know, on that trip, and, and they come down and he's and now Jesus is speaking about the kingdom and this guy's clothed in his right mind and everybody's kind of shell-shocked, but this is... This beautiful reality is touching people. And they're like, we need you to leave this region. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying like, hey buddy, listen. We had some witchcraft, you know, some weird storm try to try to take us out and it couldn't take us out. You sent your little your little your little monster demon head out here to try to keep us here, and that didn't work. So guess what? Ain't going nowhere. As a matter of fact, we're gonna be here for a while. This is going to be extended meetings, revival tent, extended meetings. We're going to multiple day this thing. That's, so you can just, you know, ain't that right, Jesus? Right? And Jesus says, no, it's time for us to go. I'm like, what? We're going to turn around and leave just because they asked us? It says that people asked him to leave, you know, because they were so freaked out about it all, told him to leave, began to plead with him to to depart and Jesus got in the boat to leave and I'm like man hey this is remember the kingdom of heaven is go big or go home like this is you've done some some miraculous cool showdown stuff here talk about I mean you've called like a a a heavyweight fight you you made some big waves like now's the the platform is set to really drive this thing home and let's save let's evangelize this entire region that we've showed up on, man. 
let's take this place over, man. This might as well put a put a put a flag in the ground here, set up shop. You know what I'm saying? It's like no, we, Jesus is like we can leave. And it's, it, it's, it's real interesting to me. Another thing that's interesting, they're, they're pleading him to leave, but he gets into the boat. Um, the guy who had previously had that legion demon, he tries to get in the boat too. He's like, well, I'm coming with you. I'm, these, if they're rejecting you, I'm, I'm going wherever you go. And how many times do we see Jesus say stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, follow me. Let the dead bury their own. Let me bury my father. No, let the dead bury their own dead. You got to be willing to move out. You know what I'm saying? You got to use left lands and houses and all these different things. We'll receive a hundred times in this life. You know, he says all these different things, but right here with this guy, he doesn't let him go with him. And it's not something you see super often, but also the strategy of heaven is different for every single person. And sometimes what it looks like to follow the Lord is to be, to be obedient to where he's got you right here and now. You know? And I thought, man, that's, that's profound because he's begging Jesus and, and, and saying, you know, please let me go. But Jesus says, hey, no, I want you to go back to your own house. I want you to go back and tell all your friends what happened. I want you to go back and tell your friends, your family, your people. I want you to be this light in the place where you're at right now. Now, we don't know what happened to the guy um, later on. I would imagine he didn't stay there forever. You know what I'm saying? He, he became a follower of Jesus by being in the place where he was called to be. And I think that's super important, man. Because, man, how much of your heart would have been like, well, I got nothing. I've been living homeless anyway. He's like, golly. It's like the disciples, like, oh, I got to leave this or I got to leave that. He's like, I don't got to leave nothing. I got nothing to leave. I'm, this is perfect. You know? And it's like, no, for you, the strategy is going to be different. Feel me? And it's like, I think sometimes, even like we talked about earlier, we can get so ministerially mind, minded. I think that's a real trap, especially in this region. We, we can have our minds on ministry in such a way uh, and, and see it in a certain way. Like, this is the way it should look like. When the kingdom of heaven can be like so small like a mustard seed, it's like, hey, no, you still have, you still have a sack full of those seeds that are meant for the ground where you live right here and now. That doesn't mean you'll always be there. That means you could be, you could be gone in tomorrow or it could be gone in 10 years, but it's just like the keys of the kingdom of heaven are found by living in the faithful reality of the here and now, living in the moment, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is not somewhere else, yeah. right? And the open heaven of God is found in being faithful to him in the here and now. It's not like, and I, I used to live in Moravian Falls for like four or five years, and you know, people thought that was an open heaven. People, I want to go to Jerusalem. There's an open heaven there. You, know, you have people that, that have these mindsets, and I, I can kind of see where it's coming from. But in reality, the open heaven, the place of revelation, is found just like it was found in, in the boat with those disciples coming back to him after the parable and engaging with him. That's where it comes from. It's relational connection with God in the moment, in the here, in the, in the right now. And it is in releasing that which is of heaven into your immediate surroundings. You know what I mean? And so even for the disciples, if you look at it, they, they plead for him to leave. And, and, and Jesus says, hey, fine, we'll go. But he tells the guy that had legion in verse 19, he said, go to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord's done for you. How, he had, how he's had compassion 
And it says that that man went and began to proclaim in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done to him and all marveled. There's other, there's other aspects of like Mark 7, when Jesus comes back to that region. Like it's, it wasn't an eternal thing. Like, well, this place had its chance and it never coming back. But Jesus was partnering with someone. He became a strategic uh, teammate even of this guy who had previously had legion and said, here's your orders. Here's your mission. Go and do this. And it bared tons of fruit everywhere that he was. And Jesus was able to come back to that region later on, possibly multiple times, because of what he had done. That light had started to spread. And let alone after the cross, what happened over that region, because it went through all the Gentile regions. And we can't see it here, but I'm quite certain that it, that it spread through all of them. And I'm sure, that's funny, I, I always want to call the guy Legion. And I'm sure Legion had a great plan, but that was the demon that he used to have. You know what I mean? So... He's like, quit calling me Legion. My name's Clarence, man. Everyone calls me that. I used to have Legion, but my name's Clarence. No. <laughs> Poor Clarence doesn't ever get no, you know. But, um, yeah, some real normal-looking guy in heaven you'll meet someday. What's your name? Well, Clarence. Oh, nice to meet you. What are you? It's like, well, you know the Legion story? Like, oh, that was, that was me. Like, wow. Okay, wow. Uh, anyways. But, you know, here, here the disciples could have been in the same way. It's like, wow, the grace of God was obviously not in that trip. The way we think of stuff. Can you look back at your life and see times that you think like, well, that was a complete waste of my time. I thought I was with God in it, but ended up being stupid. I was just being, I was um, naive. I was just young and hopeful and ignorant. And I got a taste of the real world, you know, how, how easy could the disciples in that scenario look like, wow, that, those, those few days that we spent, that day or two, uh, that was a big waste of time. Golly, obviously God wasn't in it or we wouldn't have almost died. He had to bail us out last minute from the waves. And, you know, then we got there, that dang legion, and we all hopped back on the boat. But Jesus walked out and luckily it bowed down. But then he said, you know what I'm saying? We could have, like, hey, how was your weekend? How was your weekend? Well, it was rough. We've been on some rough seas all weekend. But Jesus is like, that was an absolute victory. He didn't even, he didn't pack for a long trip. He knew what he was going to do. Strategy in the king, in the heart of the king was like, I'm going to go, there's a brick in that wall, that, that stronghold in that wall across the, across the sea over there. And I'm going to go pluck that thing out because I know that strategic one that I pluck, it's going to cause the whole wall to come down. I'm going to get the whole thing. We're over there like, Pull out the tanks, pull out the, the battering ram, let's hit the... He's like, no, 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 just, just pluck that brick that I tell you, that one seed, that one, that one quarter of a seed that, that actually 30, 60, and 100 fold, he's like, that will have, when it's strategic and it's done with the Lord, it will have more effect in the long run than anything else. And a lot of the stuff we look back with failures was like, hey, maybe sometimes it was failure. Maybe we did do things presumptuously, but you don't think the teacher can take all things and work them for the good for those who love God? Because that's the way this whole thing really works. Nothing is lost. What was it that Coach Cavana, that, that big uh, fighting coach, Conor McGregor's coach that trained him since he was a young boy, but he wrote that book and it's called Win or Learn. It was never, it loses, it's you win or you learn. Even when you lose, you look back and you learn from the mistakes you made, but you won and now you learned and now you go back to, to win again. And I think that's a beautiful way to think. 
But nothing is lost in the kingdom. Nothing is lost in the, in, in, the, in the seeds of heaven. Even the seeds that are choked in the thorns and the cares of the earth, the stony ground, the small soil, it's like you will forget releasing those seeds compared to the ones that were released that, that bore 30, 60, and 100 fold. You know what I mean? It's like pretty much guaranteed to win. His, his word does not return to him void. And so we are in the life of winning or learning. Winning and learning. When we do it in connection with the Lord. Yeah. There are so many times, I remember the woman at the well, you know, Jesus comes back and he tells the disciples in John 4, verse 35, because they're like, why is he talking to a girl of all people? But him talking to that girl ended up causing an actual revival of Samaritans and, and all these people getting saved there. He stayed there for multiple, multiple days and impacted another Gentile region. But he told him, he's like, do not say there's four more months and then comes the harvest. Look, I'm telling you to lift up your eyes and see the fields are already white for the harvest. In other words, people, people are waiting and timing and they have a picture. This is what it's going to look like when I can be fruitful or when I can grow or when I feel successful. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's, it's, don't, don't, hey, it's not, the, it's not the, the time frame for that yet. You know what I'm saying? He's like, it's already harvest time everywhere you go. And the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, one, they're called to be in our own heart, sown into ourself to where our truth is aligned with reality, the reality of heaven. But two, it's like the fields are already white. In other words, you're going to walk by people your whole entire life that God has destined for you to sow into or to unlock. And you never will if you're of that mentality. It's like, well, in a few months when it's big, when I have a crowd to listen to me, then it'll happen. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times the most valuable times or seasons in our life are in the mundane or in, 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 in when we're not actually looking for it. But when we've learned how to think small enough to realize like, hey, everything is valuable. Everybody is valuable. You know, he says already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Like, don't say that it's off for a few months. Like evangelism is different than I think what it's been made to be. Evangelism is living the gospel truth, living this transformation of an empowered life and seeking to bless and empower other people in our surroundings and in our circles. It's not looking to have our needs met. It's actually looking to actually release. And in releasing, we are fed. You feel me? You know, that's, that's the point. I think that's the point of the whole Legion story too. It was like, it was, a, it was a quick trip, but it sure wasn't a failure. If you compared it to the Samaritan girl, hey, well, we stayed there for three extra days and thousands of people. It's like, yeah, well, well, then, yeah, if you want to compare it to that, you would think it was a failure, but it wasn't a failure because Jesus didn't pack for it. He came to pull that brick out of the wall and get out of Dodge, and he knew exactly what he's doing because the strategy of heaven is above and beyond the thoughts of the mindsets of man. Another beautiful thing, the guy, old Clarence, that had legion, he was called to, called to be where he was. That, that, that's another thing that's really important, and... Um, I think that we can, we can probably gain a lot from it and see a lot from it. Um, it's interesting, you know, all the kids are going back to school this week, at least in our region, and most, I think most places. And things do change. Everyone's schedules start to change. Everybody starts to, you know, for most people with families, I think it, it, it's helpful. I know for us it is because you start to click into that, 
more balanced routine and everything starts to kind of run smoothly you can kind of get your your days kind of start looking similar you know i know i'm i'm the type that that really helps but but also all of us are going to start interacting with people we may maybe we haven't been interacting with as much in the coming days we're going to be meeting new people the economy actually speeds up a little bit like everything kind of changes and i would that our 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 heart and our mindset you know of our household is that our heads lifted up and the king of glory can come in and through our life in any given moment you know and trusting the fact that like hey there's something new every single day and a lot of times it's going to be there's going to be people that are there that you're going to be in, able to impact that it might be something small or it might seem very small but it could mean the absolute world to somebody your interaction with them your your ability to choose to speak something positive or to speak life or to pray with somebody you know what i mean or to show them attention and love and care you know what i'm saying it could it could change everything and i would that we would not um think so big all the time that we don't miss those opportunities you know what i'm saying that we take the time to be present where we're at we take the time just as the disciples did to process through our own stuff with the Lord, to process through the communication that He has given us, that, he's, that He is teaching us in the Bible, just as the disciples do, but also to have our eyes lifted up to where we're not actually looking past the goal, looking past to some goal, but we're actually living in the moment and bearing fruit in the here and now. That's where, that's the sweet spot. And that's and the majority of people that Jesus ministered to in the Bible were people that everyone else would just walk past. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's cool. I'll close with that. Like I had a, um, I remember it was a, it was a few years back and I've, I've, told, I've told this before, um, but I had this dream one night and um, I was like, <clears throat> oops. I was, um, excuse me there I was um, dead asleep and I was with this man this guy that um, he was prof uh, he's very well known as a kind of a prophetic teacher he's older now but um, in the dream I was walking around with him and it was actually here in Texas and and I was in this field and it was a wheat field and it was very beautiful and the wind was kind of blowing through it and it kind of made it like look like you know like a wave was blowing through it kind of the way it looks or like when a, the, the crowd does a wave in a stadium or something it just kind of like flows you know what I'm saying the wheat field was kind of doing that and just blowing across um, but it was it was golden and it was probably just maybe like around my knee a little bit above my knee the size of it and um, I'm not I've never studied that kind of stuff you know so I was just like I think I, I think I've always seen like cornfields where they're like six feet tall, and I think like yeah, that's wheat, you know what I mean? Because I, I just didn't know the difference. And I'm, so I'm walking through this field, this guy, and the wind's blowing. I'm like this is beautiful. And I was like, you know, when is it going to be ready? And he said, oh, it's ready now. He's like, it's already ready. I was like, really? It's like this low? He's like, oh no, that's the side. Like yeah, it, it's ready. And I asked him, I was like, well, we got like, what's the how you you gotta you gotta call somebody in and big company comes in and he's like no <laughs> like we do that I was like oh like you got like the tools and everything he was like yeah you got everything I was like okay cool 
And I was like, wow, that's cool. And it's just blowing. And, and I woke up from the dream that morning, fairly early, I guess, and, and got up and I was like, wow, it was just so vivid. It was like I was really there. You know what I mean? One of those real, those impression in the dreams, like, wow, that was really realistic. And I stood up and I was like, wow. And I, and I was walking to go to the bathroom and not even considering that that was like a prophetic dream from God and like it was obviously very symbolic or anything like that. It shows how slow my brain can be, you know what I mean? But I was getting up to go to the bathroom and I was like, and I was like, but like how does wheat become bread? I was just thinking like, what do you do? Do you pop the tops of that? Do you, I guess you grind them up? Do you mix it with something? And I was like, man, I was just like, man, like public school, I never even learned how any of that stuff worked, dude. You know what I mean? Like that's how I was thinking. I was also walking in the bathroom and then it was like, hey, kind of like, hey, buddy, like that was me talking to you. It wasn't, it wasn't a farming lesson. It wasn't like a dang <laughs> horticultural <laughs> explanation in a lesson. And I was like, oh gosh, yeah, the field, the, the harvest, the, uh, you know, then the, all the, oh yeah, the Christ, all the Christian East starts going, oh, harvest brother, and the reapers, and the, you know, you get all the, oh, amen, yeah, amen, amen, yeah, I know, I know what's going on. But anyway, I started to think about that, and, um, but I remember thinking like, hey, um, in the dream, I thought it was like, hey, it's kind of small, it's only up to your, only up to the knee, like it's, it's not that big, and it's just like, but that, that analogy of Jesus saying like, hey, don't think it's a few months down the road. Like, it's, it's really white. And he was encouraging, encouraging me in the time and place that I was at in life just a few years ago, and it was here in this place, like, hey, this place is completely ready. And I was like, that's cool. Like, well, who's going to come in and do it? What company's going to come in and do it? Well, we are like, yeah, but like, what about all the tools and the equipment to bring? I wasn't thinking spiritually at all in the dream. But the guy that was almost like a father figure was like, hey, like, you've got it. We have everything in-house needed to bring it in. There's nothing left missing that we need that we don't actually have. And it was like, hey, it's value. It's, it's the beauty of the reality of what's already here. In Christ within you, the hope of glory, the giftings of His Spirit. Everything that's there to bring in the harvest is here. You, you feel what I'm saying? And it was an encouragement to me to, to even value the ones that I was at the time. This is just a few years ago, so many of you. But value the people that you're sowing into. Value, you're walking through the field all the time. It's all there. And it's just like you have the, the cream of the crop, really. You know what I'm saying? You have the, the future green berets and navy seals are actually surrounding you the harvesters and and the brilliant harvest of god you know what i'm saying like this is this is available here and now and when we when we realize this i believe that that scripture of matthew 13 44 the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field in other words it was this treasure was hidden and everyone walked by it and didn't realize the gift that was actually there from God. The reality that was there. The opportunity that was there. Like, you mean this stuff's all there and it's all ready? It's like, yeah, dude, it's all fully there and it's all fully ready. And the, and the tools and the, and the gear and everything you need, the manpower, like it's, it's all there to bring in. It just has to be acknowledged and seen for what it is. And sometimes that goes from thinking small you know seeing what god has given to us 
rather than what we are lacking or what we're missing, you know? Because the second is a trap. Because then we're looking to be filled. But we're filled by releasing. It's the matrix. We are filled, we grow, we thrive by releasing even the little that we do have that the Lord entrusts to us. It causes us to receive more, but it causes us to grow and thrive. And that's my story. Well, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that the field is white for the harvest as you said it is. I thank you even for this new season that we're all moving into with all the kids going back to school. Everyone's work even changes and stuff like that. Um, the towns get a little bit busier and, and everything. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this time and that you've brought us here for such a time as this. And all those that listen to these messages, wherever you know, state or country they live in, it's like following you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Lord, I ask you to, to help us to have the eyes that you have for the value of the treasure that is, that is laid up all around us the glorious inheritance of the saints that's all around us. That we would see and value people that we interact with or that we, maybe we even move in and out of and meet, that we would see them with the value that you see them with, Lord. And that we would learn to be sowers of the words of faith and life and of the kingdom of heaven over our own lives, in our families and our kids, but also incomplete and total strangers when the opportunity arises. Amen.